This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's a place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time, and we have an interesting guest that's going to take us into different language patterns. You know, this is going to be something that a lot of you have not heard about before, and Renee Brent is going to come in and tell us about different forms of hypnotherapy. She's going to use some new words about hypnotherapy and some different conceptualizations, and we're going to ask her about that in just a moment. Thanks for joining us, Renee. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So what we're going to do, first of all, is just talk a little bit about our sponsors and introduce you to the concept that you listeners already know how much we love the reality of pure data here at CBJ. And today we welcome our clinical friend and our new sponsor partner, Direct Health Access Laboratory. They set a new standard for methylation, cryptopyrrol, and copper challenges that directly affect brain function. And remember this, if they can serve professionals in Nigeria, they can certainly help you out there in Fargo. Stay tuned, more later. And then you also know how much we appreciate detailed improvements of mind care any way they come up. Today we're pleased to welcome another sponsor, which is just a very cool group here in Norfolk, a deep interest in fresh options to address the complexity of, get this, adolescent treatment failure nationally and internationally. They are built TRICARE friendly. The Barry Robinson Center here in beautiful downtown Norfolk provides a holistic environment that sets children, teens, and here's where the big part is, families on the path to healing together. From personal experience, I know their work with families we've shared. It's a truly different residential experience, more in a moment. So moving on, let's talk about Renee and introduce her. She is, now, here you go. This is where we get into these words. She's a certified clinical and transpersonal hypnotherapist. She's the director and instructor of the Orlando, Florida Externship Program for the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy. A couple new words we're going to talk about in a second. Renee is passionate. I know she is because I talked to her offline before. She's going to roll your socks up and down. She's passionate about teaching because she knows the power of this work that she's doing, both personally and professionally, the importance of training qualified hypnotherapy practitioners. She's been an RN, so she brings a medical dimension for over 25 years. She's worked in the hardcore street life of ICU, trauma, ER, and in recovery rooms. And this practice that she's now in is a natural transition to pursue a career as a hypnotherapist coming from a medical background. In her experience, she was inspired by the powerful mind-body connection and how self-awareness and reframing negative thoughts helps us heal both emotionally and physically. And by the way, folks, over at Core Brain Journal, if you just listen to this in your car, we have a whole page on mindset, getting the mindset correctly. And I've already told Renee she's going to be invited to be on that page. We'll put it right up there so you can catch her there as well. She's going to be episode 145 when it's published. So she's also an author and speaker. Her newest book, get this, this is going to be, hang on, fasten your seatbelt, how big is your butt? And she's going to tell us about that. 
It helps her readers release blocks and move forward in their lives. She's frequently asked to speak to groups about how to, about how to use the power of their own minds to practice happy. So more in a moment about that. So welcome aboard, Renee. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Get us start in this personal narrative, who you are, and then we'll talk more about these words and what you're actually doing. Appreciate it. Certainly. So I am a hypnotherapist, a clinical hypnotherapist, which means that I help the mind-body. Uh, as a nurse, you mentioned in the ER, ICU, trauma, I used to think when I first began as a young nurse that the how our body felt affected our mind. Then I started to learn very quickly that how we feel emotionally and how our thoughts are affect our body. So it's a natural transition for me to become a clinical hypnotherapist. What does that mean? Hypnotherapy is just bypassing the 5% of the conscious mind, getting to that boss, which is the subconscious mind, 95%, which holds our emotions, our memories, our past, our beliefs about ourselves that affect us every day. And if you don't know how to get into that subconscious mind, that 95% that's challenging us every day, that's our perception of the world, if you don't know how to do it, then someone else is driving your car and that doesn't feel very safe. So what I do is really help people get into the driver's seat, understanding how they're perceiving their world, how their past is affecting that. And when you do that and you gain clarity of that, life begins to change because when you can trust yourself, when you feel safe to handle whatever comes your way and you understand how things are being distorted and you can change that, then you become very free. Life becomes very peace. Your heart gets quiet. Your mind gets still. And that's healing, true healing. So you're running on your own program versus somebody else's. So the childhood things Absolutely. that have happened, they're just not, they're gone. You're going you're gonna to get past them and deal with the reality of everyday life instead of whatever happened in the past. Yes, and I help people understand that not only are they dealing with the adult person that's dealing with the challenges of a job or a end of a marriage or, you know, a child with, um, you know, disabilities or something, but you're also dealing with that inner child. We all have three ego states. There's a chapter in my book about that, managing the ego states, because breaking that ego code, we have inner child, inner critic, and adult ego. So you have the adult there that's dealing with the issue. But you're also carrying that five or six-year-old who is left with the false belief, maybe not worthy, not lovable, not important. And when you're dealing with that one who's also being triggered at the same time, sometimes you have a reaction you don't understand. So when you connect to that inner child, when you connect to those false beliefs and start to change them, then you gain awareness because every false belief we have changes our distortion of the world. If somebody is filtering through a false belief of ugly, let's say, and someone says your eyes are so beautiful, it goes through that filter, and she or he may hear, they're only saying that because the rest of me is hideous. It changed how we hear the world. It changes the messages we're getting. So it's very, very important to understand your false beliefs and know, please know, that you can change that. That's what well, I help people do. Well, that example, Renee, let me, sorry for interrupting you. I was, I was interested in the example that you gave. So is that example a combination of the inner critic and the helpless child? It sounded like that was out of balance in both ways. The, the so example that you just gave. I get people. Oh, we broke up just a little bit there. Say that last thing again. Mm -hmm. You catch people. What? So, I help people understand false beliefs come from and in, in, in their child. But the common one I get really is unworthy, unlovable, and um, alone. 
alone, if we're not connected to something outside of ourselves, it becomes a very scary world. So those are the common ones. But I help people understand that when you're younger than 10, that conscious and subconscious mind is wide open and everything that is said or done, not intentionally even, the perception of the child is encoded as truth. So if you had a teacher that that year kept helping you, telling you you were stupid, sit down, laughing at you, you may be left with that belief that you're stupid. And now everything, you carry that pattern with you and everything is filtered through that stupid. So if a boss tells you, you know what, I really need you to rework this paragraph of that report, it's going through that stupid filter and it's changing your perception and your reaction. And if you don't understand why you're reacting a certain way, you better believe it's coming from the echo of the past. Well said. Well said. Yeah, we see that all the time. You know, and, and you're really repro reprogramming people and using these different hypnotherapeutic techniques to... Mm -hmm help that person get reprogrammed. Now, take a moment, because this is one that a lot of our guests don't know about, and I need personal clarification on this myself. I know a little bit about transpersonal. I certainly know what interpersonal is, but I don't know how it applies to your techniques of what you do with other human beings in the office. So what is transpersonal hypnotherapy? What happens with that? So in transpersonal hypnotherapy, and you know this as well, and I know your listeners are educated. They've been listening to you, so you've done a great job educating them. Most of us live on the surface. It's safer. We're human beings. We're meant to survive. So we live in our safe zone, and that's surface. And underneath, underneath that, the trans part is getting underneath that and really seeing what the deeper levels are. And yeah, and interpersonal, of course, is relationships. And I'd like to say that there's a... Younger than 10, there's an event, an ISC, um, an event that causes us with these beliefs, but they're really relationships. It's relationships and recurring uh, exposure to these false beliefs that, that, that steer us there. So in the work that I do, I, as a hypnotherapist, don't tell people how to think or feel. When you go into the state of hypnosis, which is only a change in a brainwave, when you go in that state and you have someone guide you through protocol where you find your own answers, where you go into a memory and you heal that with love and acceptance and forgiveness and let that little boy or girl know that you're valuable, that you're loved, that you're smart. When they do that within their, the, in the hypnotic state and they come up with their own answers, it's life-changing. It's healing. They disconnect from that and they change that echo. And then I do a beautiful thing in the memories where they grow up the child infusing the state of peace or calm, whatever their core state is. And it's remarkable when they open their eyes, the tears, and they feel hope and they feel lighter. My clients always tell me they feel lighter. They had no idea how carrying this with them, dragging this with them every day was such a heavy load. I got two questions. Yeah. One is you zoomed by one term mm -hmm. that I'm unfamiliar with and I know our audience is unfamiliar with. Okay. ISE. What's an okay. ISE? It's the initial um, uh, sensitizing event. Sensitizing event. Initial so, sensitizing event, which yeah. is the thing that kicked you off. It's relative yeah. trauma or something yeah. like that. Yes, okay. yeah. It's something. And, and it really is not just one exposure. Sometimes it can be uh, a, a death, you know, I have people who remember when their mom died and the father came in and told them that's that's an ISE. That's a, that's mm -hmm. something people remember, but it's usually a relationship. It's a continued exposure, a teacher, an uncle, a father, a mother, a grandmother, you know, whatever's happening, but younger than 10 because you're wide open 
And so it's really important how we talk and expose children to the words that we say. So what you're looking at there is the transformative quality of that ISE that actually sent them down the path. Absolutely. Now, the question is, a lot of us remember where we were when we heard JFK was shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I remember it very well. I don't know if you, you, you look like you're much younger than I am. So, but anyway, the bottom line is that wasn't necessarily transformative, however, because it was just a shock, but it didn't yeah. change the way. And one of the things you've said twice now that I think our audience really needs to pay attention to if we didn't get it is the repetitive nature of the trauma and getting reprogrammed on the constant uh, repetition of that misperceived reality so that you actually get programmed in a certain direction and that reality becomes your interpersonal your 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 interpersonal reality absolutely now everything is based off that and we set patterns up and if you believe in your heart that you're not worthy you're going to bring in people that are going to prove that to you or you're going to bring in situations or you're going to self-sabotage because if you don't think you're worthy and deserving of a life where you feel loved and valued and smart you're you kind of create that subconsciously and um so it's very very important to understand the echo and what you're filtering through every day so for instance if someone comes into me as a clinical hypnotherapist and has unexplained back pain shoulder pain headaches that no one can find a medical uh, occurrence for they'll come to me and I ask them so um, you know having this chronic headache makes you believe that you are weak not good enough I come up I help them see what they're filtering through the false beliefs and the emotions and in my world how someone feels about an illness is usually what caused it in the first place so if you grew up with this false belief of not good enough not valued weak sad angry those chemicals because I you know I'm I'm a science geek so every thought we have sends a chemical in our body that validates the thought and now we have oh yeah I'm angry and and by the way X Y and Z and now we're in a mind to melt merry-go-round full of chemicals that are very toxic to the body and if you do that for 20 30 years even 10 years it affects the physicality of our body and that's where clinical hypnotherapy comes in because we get to the cause of feeling weak or not lovable and you change that and you change the chemistry of the body and you change symptoms. I see people do it all the time, release symptoms of pain or um, chronic uh, digestive issues based on the chemistry of false beliefs. So then, Renee, your concept, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just learning this with you, of transpersonal hypnotherapy is that you're going deep into what's the underlying, what some of our guests have called systems two thinking. System two thinking deals with the complexity of who you are as a human being, as yep. opposed to everyday life systems one, you know, the reptilian thinking. Yep. Okay. Hey, you know, I'm shocked. I'm gone. I'll talk to you later. I'm not going to think about this. But transpersonal takes you down into, I'm going to think about all the complexity of this whole thing and rework it in this new uh, perceptive state, this new ability to see what's actually going on. Absolutely. When you're in that reptilian brain, when you're in fight or flight and survival, you're in called a beta wave. Or if you're in stress, a high beta wave. You're very, very human. And in that state, there's not really change happening in the deep transpersonal level. So hypnosis is only a change in that brain wave. So you go from a conscious state to a subconscious state, which is an alpha brain wave or a 
uh, theta, when you're in that state, now hypnosis doesn't put you to sleep, it wakes you up. And when you're in that state, now you can remember, because the subconscious mind holds all of that for us, but we're not taught how to go in and relieve it and release it and be aware of it. So hypnotherapy is just a protocol, it's just a tool to be able to get in there. I tell people that I'm a professional garage door opener. <laughs> I help them, you know, I open the garage, but they have to go in. I hold the flashlight, but they're the ones who have to decide what they want to keep, what they want to let go, and what they want to fix. Sometimes we get in the deep corner. Sometimes we stay in the main area, and sometimes we stay out in the garage and in the driveway and just talk. I never push somebody. Never, we don't push. We go at their level. I never lead. I only follow. So it's just about getting in there and seeing what, what's there and what you want to keep. Make sense? Let's see if they can get in the car and drive it out of the garage. Yeah, because you know how good it feels when you clean your garage. You swept. You, you can pull the car in. You're not afraid to go in. Or in that shed in the backyard, you're not afraid to open the door because you know what to expect. You're in control. You're not waiting for a surprise to, sh to, to shoot out at you. And that is safety. And when you can trust that, when you feel safe, we're all geared to survival. When you feel safe in every aspect of your life, man, life just frees. You just sleep better. You eat better. You feel better. You connect better to the people you love in your life. You're out of the program. You're off that track. That's a good thing. So let me ask you this now. Interpersonal mm -hmm. hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. What I understand, uh, of course, what the word means in a sense, but how does it actually apply when you're how is that different than hypnotherapy? What's, what, how does interpersonal hypnotherapy differ from plain old hypnotherapy? What's going on there? It's, it's all basically the same. Um, clinical hypnotherapy is really about clinical, uh, physical, physicality. Interpersonal mm -hmm. is more about relationships. Oh, I got so you. So if yeah. somebody comes into me and there, I get a lot of people who, um, I, I tend to get a lot of people who have anxiety, um, disorder or a lot of anxiety and addiction. Mm -hmm. And um, when we talk about how that's affecting their relationships and how it's affecting their life, and that's really what interpersonal is about. It's really getting there. But it's also about getting to cause. It's very hard to stay clean and sober if you believe you're worthless and not valuable because it's mm -hmm. turning underneath. And the mind, the subconscious mind, that 95% the boss, wants to move you away from pain to pleasure. And if the only way you know to do that is to smoke, drink, you know, uh, porn, whatever it is, you know, alcohol, that's what you're going to do. So when you get and you clear those underlining current of that false belief, you change the echo, it's much easier to stay safe, feel safe, release anxiety, release addictive maladaptive behaviors, and move forward in a new way. But you got to get back to those old relationships. If you think that you've consciously handled your relationship with your father or your mother or your grandmother, you, if you haven't done it subconsciously really in the heart, then it could be affecting your daily life. So you get past that programming yep. and you get into reality as it is, as opposed to the way you're misperceiving that it is. Yeah. Based when you on get, the, Right. So when you, when I, for instance, if somebody comes into me and they're really struggling, they don't know why. I had a woman for instance, who was um, like 45. She was, had everything going for her children, were healthy. She had a lot of money. She had a beautiful relationship with her husband, but she woke up every morning. She goes, I don't know why I'm not happy. I should be happy, but I live in fear that I'm going to lose it all and I'm not happy. I said, okay, so let's do a regression to memory. So I amplified this feeling of her not feeling lovable, valued, deserving, you know, feeling alone in the midst of all this going around for her. And 
you know, sadness and hurt and fear. And we amped it up in hypnosis. And I bridged her to the first time she ever felt that. She landed in a memory of third grade. She's standing outside her, the door of her teacher that go into the room. Her best friends that day decided that she wasn't part of the group. That, and they were mean to her. In that moment and from there, she grabbed onto the belief, somehow I'm not good enough, I'm not deserving, I'm not part of, I'm alone. And she's held that echo ever since. When she healed that memory, she healed that third grader with love and acceptance, forgiveness of herself, of others, and we grew her up and disconnected her from that. Then her life, she said, I don't know what's going on, Renee, but I wake up every morning now and I feel calmer. I feel happier. I know that I deserve this. And she could connect to those people in a new way. And that's the power of this work, really. So there are a couple of questions I want to ask you, and I'll tell you what they're going to be, and then we'll take a little break. I'm going to sort of prepare you in advance here, okay? Mm -hmm. So the first question I have, uh, they're in a way related. First of all, the narrative of how you got into it is always interesting of how a person, you know, bumped against their own personal reality and how they then sought some different answers. That's the one thing, sort of your own personal take on how you got to be into this. And then the second one is, if you could share, if you could think of a um, meaningful, challenging experience that changed the way, even when you were in the practice, that said, I've got to change what I'm doing here. I've got to this was educational to me. I was not prepared for this, but this particular thing has changed the way I'm going to practice. So if you could get those two things, well, and those transformative moments is what life is all about, are, are what life is all about. So we'll come back. If that's okay with you, we'll talk about that Perfect. in just a moment. Great. All right. So we'll take a break. Well, folks, you know, as well as I do, that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those very, very brief hospitalizations may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and, and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression, on every level for families including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know? We refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing. So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing now available globally for a variety of molecular answers 
from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's dhalab.com forward slash core. Well, welcome back, folks. Here we are. We're going to talk to Renee about who she is. Hey, we said we we're going to ask her that question. We want to know a little bit about what happened to her that took her into this deep dive. I mean, she's there in the emergency room dealing with blood, sweat, babies coming out, uh, heart attacks, uh, you know, brain injury, the whole thing. And then she goes over into this other, this whole other medium. Tell us a little bit, Renee, about how you got there. Well, first of all, I loved all that. And I loved being a nurse and um, I loved being there. But I, it was interesting. I, um, to begin with, I was, had two small children 18 months apart when I was a young mother. And I wanted a third baby. And I wasn't getting pregnant. And my, uh, I'm divorced now. My ex-husband said, you know what? I think you should go away for a week because I was driving him and everybody else crazy. So he sent me to a spa. I went in Miami. I live in Florida. And there happened to be a hypnotherapist there. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but he's paying. So I'm going. Mm -hmm. And I went. And this hypnotherapist in that moment helped me understand something very important that I use to this day with my clients. The subconscious mind will never let you be something you disagree with. And in my heart, I understood that I didn't think I would be as good a mother to the third as I was the first two. And I cleared that in that week that I was there. And I did another one with visualization and, and meditation. And um, I got pregnant the next month. And really? I have, yeah, my son is 20. And, no, that's interesting. And I knew the power of the work, but I'd forgotten about it. And I went on with my life doing nursing. And I got divorced after 20 years of marriage. And it sent me um, for a loop. I was a little bit lost. And I grew up with an alcoholic mother, and I didn't understand how that affected me. And I used to hide in a closet in my life to just try to keep myself safe. I knew, and I used to say to myself, oh my gosh, it's them, it's not me, and just try to keep mm. myself safe. And um, during my divorce, I found myself in the closet, the same thing. And I said, it's not me, it's him, it's not me, it's him. And then I understood in that moment, my pain that I was feeling was not even about the divorce. It was about the false beliefs that I, this was all about my childhood wounds. Mm. So when I healed my childhood wounds and I, I remembered hypnotherapy and I used hypnotherapy to help me clear that, then I could deal with just the effect, the adult having a divorce. And I was very mature and moved past the hurt, but I had to heal the childhood wounds. And that's when I understood the value of that. And I went to hypnotherapy school. Um, and I did a lot of my own work because a hypnotherapist can't, and you know, this as a, as a therapist, as a psychiatrist, you can't help someone if you're dealing with the same issue, you can only take someone as far as you are. So mm -hmm. I've done a lot of my own work, a lot of my own awareness. So there's very little that someone across the couch can tell me that I haven't experienced myself. And that mm -hmm. brings commonality. And I get excited for them because I know what's on the other side of that healing because I've been there myself. So um, I went to, to hypnotherapy school and I haven't looked back. Mm -hmm. It's the best uh, decision I ever made. Well, and you can see where they could go. Because you have been there, you could see the opportunity, and then it became, uh, it was real for you, as opposed to being unreal. Absolutely. And the healing is real, and it's permanent, and it's just, um, when you open your heart and trust yourself, and um, feel that joy, because the closed heart cannot, you don't cry all your tears, but you don't laugh all your laughter. And when you open your heart and trust yourself, that's where true joy lives. And I love having a front row seat to that with my clients, absolutely. <laughs> 
what a picture. Mm-hmm. All right, now let now this other question because yeah. I'm always curious about how you grow from your own practice. Yeah, and I think a lot of people say, okay, she's very real person. I love this conversation. She's telling us a lot about some very intimate and important things, developmental opportunities in her life. But then I wonder about because I could I could sit here. Obviously, you're not interviewing me, but I could tell you some transformational moments I've had where yeah. I thought I knew what I was doing and found out that I didn't. Yeah. And then, whoop, okay, I've got to rethink this whole game plan. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything like that that does occur to you that might be instructive for us as we're thinking about undertaking some kind of career change, developmental opportunity, change in our lives, how we could perhaps experience it from a different level of perception? Certainly. So, um, I moved into this, and in a very short time, I, I found uh, a lot of success in what I do. And I think it, it comes from my passion and my experience. And um, I was moving into, for some reason, I found a lot of uh, businessmen in my office, and I was helping 60% of my clients are men. They like the logic of the work. I'm pretty straightforward. And mm-hmm. I found myself going into a business model, helping mindset for companies, and I love doing that. And I was kind of gearing everything towards that. And... Um, all of a sudden, I start having a lot of people struggling with addiction come into my office. And I was like, hmm, what's this about? And up until that point, I wasn't really um, looking at my own past with my family. My mother was an alcoholic. I lost two siblings and a nephew from alcohol and drug addiction. And mm-hmm. I wasn't really looking at it. And they were coming to me to help me understand that that's what I needed to do. That's where my story was. That's what I understood because I don't look at addiction. It's a symptom. I don't judge it. I, I, I know that if you get to cause, you can release it. You know, hypnotherapy and addiction is showing a 75% in my practice with a four-day protocol, 75% relapse recovery. So... I I know. And a good program, a $100,000 program or $80,000 30-day program is 13% if it's really good because they're not mm-hmm. getting a cause. You're not, yeah. You have to get to these wounds, these echoes, mm-hmm. so, and teach new subconscious behavior. So I completely shifted my game, and I, I understood that you have to go with where your passion is and your experiences. And when I can sit across from someone who's struggling with alcohol and drug, and I get it, or a parent or or a daughter of someone who's struggling and I can tell them you broke up right there let's catch it but the um I'm going to go talk a little bit because she's frozen up on the uh video guys and she's going to come back in just a second uh now you I don't know if you heard me but you broke up right there when you said I could tell them, and then we went out for quite maybe 10, 15 seconds there. Okay. So you could tell them what? What were you saying? Mm-hmm. When I can tell them that there's hope, because people are looking for hope and freedom. And when I can tell them there is hope, because I know I've seen it, when you get past that, when you disconnect yourself from the past and free yourself up, it's possible to stay clean and sober. It's hard to do that when you feel like you're worthless. So... I really moved into this model of helping people move through addiction. And it's because I um, believe in it. And I just started following my own path, my own why. And I really believe that that's why I got into hypnotherapy. So I can be a change agent um, in the way we treat addiction in this country. You know, I'm totally with you on that. You you and I have not rehearsed this next point. but uh, I worked in addiction for many years. I wrote a book called Deep Recovery. And one of the things that I was uh, complaining about 
because I worked so in, in, intimately with recovery for a long period of time. And what happened is the people would go into these meetings and everybody runs everybody down. Yeah. You know, you're nothing but an alcoholic and until you get that straight. Yeah. And so the, if they've had a bad experience in their childhood, they're just in a groove of reminding themselves about how terrible they are. And to me, it was like, I, I don't say that to people. I don't say that. Yeah, you've had a problem, but here's what you're doing well. Here's how you can come out of it. Mm -hmm. I was always reframing that intuitively. That's a long time ago. I wrote the book back in 92, so it's a long time ago. But Oh, I can't wait to read it. Well, the issue there is that I'm very much against people thinking reductionistically because labels de yeah. deny the complexity of the underlying issue. It's really, they deny the transpersonal portion of it. They're like, okay, this is your label. This is who you are. And that happens in drug addiction. It happens in uh, psychopharmacology land because Absolutely. the entire psychiatric diagnostic coding book is, is really a fashion show, a dance card. You yeah. Know, how you look is who you are, and that's a diagnosis 100% until you get that right. It's like the negativity associated with substance abuse. It's the reason people don't want to see a psychiatrist because they get some label from an outdated, that book is 20 years out of date because yep. they're not dealing with the underlying biology, the underlying psychology of it. They're just like, okay, here's your label. I'm going to throw some meds out and talk to you later. So, yeah, I'm opinionated about that. I actually yeah. didn't – I had a guy interview me the other day and I cursed in the interview. I was like, I, got, I don't usually curse, you know, I don't curse anyway. I mean, I'm not yeah. a cursing guy, but I, but I got well, I am. So, the ER trauma nurse in me, but, yeah. but I feel very strongly about this. And uh, I have, you know, a sister that's been in AA and felt the program for 25 years, clean and sober, but I don't have a problem with AA, but it is negative programming. If you know what the subconscious mind is doing, you know when you tell people they're powerless and it's just a matter of time before they relapse, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, you have to get to cause. They're just dealing with symptom. I, the thing I like about AA is the connectivity, the commonality. Yeah. So when you find that in a different supportive way, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so the work that I do with addiction is really on all aspects of it and clearing that and understanding what they're really emotions and beliefs and events have to be dealt with with cause. And when you do that, it's amazing in four days in and out of meditation with my clients, getting all aspects of it. When they, at the end of those four days, say, you know what? It's incredible, but I feel free. And that's just, that's why I do the work. That's why I do the intensive work. And that's why I'm moving on to this path of dealing, uh, help people deal with addiction in another Well, way. now let me ask you this question. Because yeah. four days is yeah. a lot of hours. Yes. Is that four hours nope. or is it four full days? So you it's, work like Thursday through Sunday. How does all that work? It depends. I have people who come um, out of you know from out of uh, all over the country that come in on a, a like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a Monday. If they need to do it in three days, I'll do collapse it. Usually, I do four hours, eight hours, eight hours, and then four hours depending on their schedule. Some mm -hmm. people do during the week. Many of the people are professionals and uh, can't leave work for a long period of time. They don't want people to know they can't leave for a thirty-day program. That's not mm -hmm. really that successful anyway way yeah. so when they come in they're in and out so I do all aspects um, I'm an NLP practitioner I have lots of different modalities that I use NLP uh, tell people what it is I know what it is. yes sorry a, a neuro-linguistic programming and it's the concept that your brain grabs a hold of information and history from different parts of your brain so when you change it for instance if someone is fear-based 
it's very interesting. I have them see fear in front of them or see a block, that big B-U-T, that big butt in front of them. Mm-hmm. And your, your listeners could do that. Don't do it while you're driving. But imagine, <laughs> you know, imagine fear in front of you or that block. Look at what it looks like, what it color is, what size is it. And when you close your eyes and take a deep breath, change the color, change the shape change the size. And when you do that, it diminishes in your mind and you cannot grab a hold of it in the same way. Your mind can't do it. And when you learn tricks like that, how to mind hack and release fear, you release anxiety, you release urges, you can surf that urge and you can just let it go. And that's the kind of work that I do. You're talking the language, girl. You're there. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It works if you work it. (laughs) I, I love it. And when people believe that they can do it. My bridge method, which is build belief, you know, release and recover. It's a whole protocol that I do with the acronym of bridge, bridge to living free. When you do that and you do it in four and research shows that when you go in and out of meditation for in four days, you actually download new genomes. Um, people have done it, um, taken blood before and after a four yeah, day uh, thing. And it's incredible. No, you that's literally true. change your body. Yeah, we've had a number of people, guests, that have talked about that. It's pretty mm-hmm. doggone interesting. So, yeah. and by the way, folks, listeners, Renee is going to give us a book that we can give away here. So, there's going to be a drawing, and that's going to be on the show notes. Uh, so, if you're listening to this, the show notes are up and alive at uh, episode 145, corebrainjournal.com forward slash 145. We make it really easy to get to. So, let's close a little bit with your book since we're on that. I mean, I think it's absolutely relevant. And, you know, your butt is not anatomical. Your (laughs) butt actually has something to do with, as I was thinking about it earlier, denial. You know, so what happens is you're coming, how big is your butt is where do you hit the wall? Yeah. And the wall is a denial wall. Like these things that happen to me aren't significant. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to deal with whatever. I'm just going to keep you know, and, and a little bit, this is where recovery comes a little bit. I'm going to fake it till you make it. But, you know, that's not my policy. I mean, I, I, would, cha- I would challenge that. I mean, like, you know, we're not into faking. We're like no. into being, you know, because, you know, there are certain aphorisms that, uh, you know, uh, it, yeah, I like, always like the phrase, if you blow it, you eat it. I like that one. <laughs> but yeah. fake well, it till you is- make it is not one of my favorite phrases. Well, if you know anything about neuro, the neuroplasticity and, and the, uh, neuroscience, when you identify how you're feeling, when you identify it, it changes the part of your brain that grabs a hold of the information and it dilutes the emotional effect. So it's really important to identify how you're feeling. The big but could be a false belief, but it's definitely something that's blocking you and it's held in the subconscious mind. So it could be, I want a new job, but I'm not smart enough or I'm not going to be able to do that. It's really important. And I'm going to suggest to people, and I have this in the first chapter, every chapter has a, um, you know, a, a skill at the end, a little thing that you can do to help you gain oh, awareness good. and a release. But write down your goal, what you want, something you really want in your life. Write it down, take a breath, and then now say it again to yourself and put the word but after it and listen to what comes after it because that's what's blocking you from getting it in the first place. And what, that's the goal. If you hear because I'm not stupid or I'm not educated or I, um, you know, I, I, I can't lose weight because I'm X, Y, and Z, listen to that. That's what's blocking you. When you get to that source and identify it, it starts changing and it's pretty remarkable. So what you're recommending to our listeners is they have to embrace the butt 
<laughs> you absolutely love the butt. <laughs> you I know? think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that before. It's kind of funny, actually. Yes, embrace it because you, when, you, when you identify it, then you could start healing it. If it's deep in the subconscious mind in that lower surface, you cannot heal it. You must look at it. It does not help to push things down and aside, and that's the only thing we're taught to do. This book is designed, How Big Is Your Butt is designed to help people learn some skills to get in the driver's seat to manage the subconscious mind. And when you look at it and you release it and allow emotion, when you feel safe enough to do that, then your life opens up and you practice happy and you create this life that you want. Fantastic. You're embracing the reality of the way they think, which is all about mindset. Okay, your mind is set a certain way and unless you actually recognize the set, you can't do anything about it because it's not is not in reality. You can't see it. It's a reality in your mind, but it's not a it's not a visible reality, which argues against the whole thing of the DSM five diagnostic coding system anyway, because no one would ever recognize it, so you can't put a label on it. So no. you call it the you call it the butt. I mean, the I butt. think we can get that. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to do it in a subconscious state. When you go round and round and round in your conscious mind and when you know your story backward and forward, it's not going to help you heal. Yeah. You gotta get to the heart and you gotta drop into that and feel safe enough to feel that. Very interesting point. Now, in, in closing, we're winding down here a little bit, but let's talk about your other book, Practice Happy. Yeah. So that could you give us a little bit of an idea what that so, book is about? So How Big Is Your Butt? Actually, Practice Happy is a, is a philosophy within How Big Is Your Butt. Oh, it is. Okay. I mean, yeah. I understand. Okay. It's the happiness is not going to come and sit in your lap. You got to go chase it. It's around the corner. You stopped your car because you didn't feel safe and you're not getting your destination. You got to get the car going. You got to get in the subconscious mind and start driving towards it. And when you start doing that and flip negativity, understand how your brain's working to keep you safe. When you flip that around, you start changing your neurons, you practice happy, and before you know it, three to four weeks, you've changed your mindset of awareness and you start just living happier. Um, so what's really fun about you, Renee, yeah. is you're deep... And you're a regular woman, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you got it, but you got actionable terms, you know, you're not just throwing out, I mean, some of the words are not in ordinary vocabulary, that's why we clarify them a little bit. Yeah. But I think the thing that every time you come back, every time you make a point of clarification, which is really quite rewarding and interesting, is you really talk about it from a point of view of, hey, this is what you do, this is how it works. As opposed to, you know, getting lost in mumbo jumbo. So it's really, oh, yeah. really good. You'll, you'll never hear me speak or do a presentation without giving you some action items. I, am, I, think that's my, I think that's my gift. I think that's my calling is to help people understand it from a really practical platter because I mainstream this. I could talk hypnotherapy to, you know, mindset people or, you know, um, you know, yoga people, but I talk to the mainstream because that's, that's where I, that's what I'm supposed to be doing on this earth. I'm supposed to help people understand that you can get into that subconscious mind. You can make changes. Well, we're cut from the same cloth in that regard. I mean, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to professionals for 20 years, mm -hmm. but I think what happens is the change is going to come from the public really fully understanding what's going on and just talking to them straightforward. Like you do, you do a great job of it. Oh, and thanks. we really appreciate it. So let's remind people how they can get in touch with you. So what's the website that you would like people to come to to hook up with you? 
So uh, what I want to send them to is uh, practicehappynow.com. And on there is a couple chapters of the book if they're interested. But also there's two free meditations. And I'd really like to invite them to go and download those meditations. One is higher self. When you go into meditation and you see and meet the higher version of yourself, you start hearing that voice every day, then you'll start making changes and those butts get very smaller. And the other one is for sleep. I have a whole chapter in the book uh, about sleep because you cannot make changes and live an effective, full life if you're not sleeping. And so you have to do that. So I have a sleep meditation that just takes somebody down into a natural brainwave. And we have to sleep, and we have to sleep without medication. I help a lot of people get off Ambien and such. Um, so sleep and listen to your higher self, and uh, life gets a lot easier. Practice happy every day. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, we're with you on Ambien. Yeah, we don't use it because so many bad things happen on Ambien. Mm -hmm. And it is addictive. I mean, you know, you basically can't stop it. You have to figure out how to break down and get off of it. And the whole neurotransmitter system gets mucked up behind it. So thank you for saying those helpful things. And, and they're complimentary. You just got them sitting out there. So that's yeah. at practicehappynow.com. Yep. Hey, that's really hard to spell. I don't think I'm going to get that right. <laughs> <laughs> I have the misspellings on the thing too. And if you want to know more about hypnosis, Renee Brett hypnosis is com is my other, uh, is other than my practice um, um, website. So, and I'd love to hear from listeners or anyone. So just send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Renee Britt. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on board. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. If you have you. something else, to hit, just let us know. We'll, we'll have you on again. Excellent. Thank you. We'll talk about addiction next time. Sounds good. We can yeah. do it. All right. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Cobrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.